This is Fire Rescue One Side Alpha Podcast, putting fire service leaders in front of hot topics facing firefighters today. Now here's the executive editor of FireRescueOne.com and FireChief.com, Chief Mark Bashore. Today we're going to cover a topic of ever-increasing importance for the fire service and to firefighters in specific. First, here's a word from our sponsor. This episode of Side Alpha Podcast is sponsored by Homeland 6 Tactical Radio Straps. These custom radio straps feature extractor washable decontamination, superior comfort, and functionality. Learn more at homeland6.com. That's homelandsix.com. We're talking today with Chief John Dorman, currently a content developer with Lexapol and Fire Rescue One. John has more than 25 years in the fire service in both combination and career departments, retiring as an assistant chief of operations and deputy emergency manager with the Ketchikan, Alaska Fire Department. John also has 10 years of experience teaching in the fire science and emergency management program at Purdue University Global, where he redesigned multiple semester-long college courses to meet the needs of the modern fire service and adult learners. Chief Dorman, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. Um, I'm happy to be here. You know, I've been listening to uh, the Side Alpha podcast, and it's uh, it's pretty cool to be on one. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. It's um, it's been fun for us, and I hope it's fun for uh, you today, and uh, and also for our listeners to not only learn a little more, but uh, just have some fun with what we're doing and uh, and and learn together. Chief, you made clear in an article you wrote for us recently uh, that you're a big proponent for higher education and uh, educational requirements. Uh, but not at the expense of real-world experience. There's a great line from the article that I want to read for our listeners, and this is the quote. We've all worked with or around book-smart people who have every set of initials in the signature line of their email but couldn't make a split-second decision on an emergency scene. So, John, like you, I've seen all ends of the educational spectrum play out in a firefighter uh, and in chief's performances across the country. First, I, I want to say that, in my opinion, um, the book smart people with every initial, that quote, um, is something I've seen over and over and is absolutely the truth um, just from my personal experience. Can you expand a bit on uh, the thoughts of the balance between real world experience and higher education? Yeah, sure. So it, it is. It's it's a balance game. You know, um, in this day and age, in the modern fire service, you really can't have one without the other. Um, you know, years and years ago, let's go back, you know, years and years. Uh, Careful was, now. Careful. <laughs> before your time, Mark. Right. Like, okay, got uh, it. So there, you know, the tactical, the strategic, um, the, the hands-on knowledge of the fire service is what got you through everything right you know you, you learned to do your job you did your job well uh you could get promoted and then you could promote more and and um just kind of keep going like that as things have changed um over the years and as a lot of fire departments are going to a lot less fires it seems that we've been pushing more into formal education which is good but we kind of we've kind of done it at the expense of um, the the scene knowledge, the being able to make those split decisions. And to me, there's a there's a fine line there that really you have to have both. Um, 
you, you have mm -hmm. to uh, you have to be able to make good, sound um, emergency scene decisions. And on the same token, a uh, a formal education behind it helps you do a lot of the other things <laughs> that are involved with, oh, yeah. you know, leading in the fire service, the way I look at it. So it, it has to be a healthy balance between coursework and field experience. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of times uh, people, you talk about the all the initials at the end of a name, a lot of times yeah. people focus on those initials and just getting that uh, degree and, and that education and forget that, you know what, I really do have to go out there and get some of that practical right. experience. Right. You know, there's there's a big difference between, I mean, you, you can end up with that, uh, all the old saying, you know, do you have 20 years of experience or do you have one year of experience 20 times? Sure. And, and you know, if, if you're just focusing on getting all of those initials to put in your signature line, I think you're missing a, a lot of the picture. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think, um, you know, the fire service is, as you said, it's evolving and, and we are um, uh, trying to shed in a lot of senses that knuckle dragger uh, right. um, look that a lot of people think about. And and, and frankly, the, as we do go to fewer fires, uh, there's absolutely the need to make sure that we're sharpening our skills in ways that go beyond that uh, real world experience because you're just not getting enough. So it, it right. definitely make it definitely makes the point. So Chief, you have a bachelor's degree in, in fire protection science uh, from SUNY Empire State College uh, and a master's degree in employment law from uh, Nova Southeast University and a master's degree in homeland security and emergency management from Kaplan University. What do you do in your spare time? <laughs> well, those all came at different points. See, they, sure. they came at different points in my career. Sure. Um, absolutely. You know, so it, it, as a fire service member, what, mm -hmm. what motivated you to work towards two master's degrees and, and how did that help you and what can I, so I'm asking you a bunch of questions here. How does sure, that help sure. you? And and how can the or what can the average chief uh, that's out there learn from your experience? OK, so, well, I, you know what? I'm going to go back one step from you, Mark. Um, okay. the, the bachelor's degree came about um, actually from my parents. Um, mm -hmm. I wanted to be a firefighter. They wanted me to go to college. Uh, and uh, they said, you know, if you can find. A, a place where you can get a four-year degree, because at the time, bachelor's degrees in fire science were not real popular anywhere, um, sure. not like they are today, you know, then, we, you know, go ahead. And I found a place. <laughs> so, I, so I got the bachelor's degree. So I, you know, I entered my career with the bachelor's degree. Um, but the master's, uh, the, the first master's, which was in Homeland Security, or I'm sorry, which was in um, employment law, actually came about because I was a union officer in the South. Mm. And um, I realized real quickly that that knowledge of employment law was going to make a huge difference in being able to um, do my job as a union officer. Yeah. So that that was the uh, that was the, the, the deal behind uh, the employment law degree. And then um, after uh, after that, I did the Homeland Security Emergency Management um, at Kaplan, which now is Purdue or Purdue. Yeah, sorry, Purdue University Global. Um, and uh, there really 
the reason I did it was because I was getting more into emergency management work um, in Ketchikan. And I thought, you know what, it would really, uh, it would really help to have the background behind it. You know, I've, I'd always taken the FEMA classes, you know, 100, 200, 700, 800, 200, 300, and 400. Um, yeah. but, but that degree brought in a lot more stuff um, related to things like, you know, your emergency operations plan and, and, uh, and more of the background stuff versus just the, uh, I guess what you call the tactical aspect of emergency management. Sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, in your article, you talked about um, not always recognizing right away some of the, uh, I'll call them third party, some of the third party opportunities are going to be out there, part-time yeah. opportunities, other things. And your union experience is what drove you to go for that first master's degree. So absolutely. Yeah. Perfect uh, case. And and certainly uh, hugely uh, applicable to the fire service in uh, that the uh, labor management mm -hmm. issues that are out there in uh, just collective bargaining issues and all of the things that go into organized labor. Uh, can you talk about that for a minute uh, of the importance of those thinking about those secondary issues beyond traditional fire yeah. role? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's something that I, you know, at uh, at Purdue Global, I talk to my students all the time about is, you know, you, you really when you start this career, right, you think, yeah, I'm a firefighter. This is great. I want to ride backwards on the fire engine. And yay, you know, that's all I want to do. Um, but as you get older and more mature in the fire service, you know, you decide you want to drive maybe or uh, maybe you want to promote up to officer and stuff like that. And education goes in a lot a lot with that stuff but you know the other thing is is that you really I, I try to impress upon people that they need to start thinking about retirement at day one you know Absolutely. for you know for multiple reasons one is you want to stay healthy to get to retirement right because that's our goal i mean yeah. that's the whole goal so you know especially with cancer stuff and mental health and wellness and all of that stuff um but also if you can build things into your fire service career that can pay dividends outside of your fire service career, like, you know, getting your education, um, getting your bachelor's degree, getting your master's degree, uh, you know, those those things all lead to, well, geez, I've got 20 years. Uh, maybe you get hurt and and you can't work. Um, you know, you can't be on a fire truck anymore. Uh, and you think, oh, geez, you know, what am I going to do now? Well, you know, you might have been able to get yourself into something along the emergency management lines, um, something along, you know, law. You know, we've got we've got a lot of firehouse lawyers, you know, informal firehouse I lawyers. I consider myself but, one of them. That's <laughs> but, you know, there's there's people that, you know, go to school for that, too. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, and yeah, so it there's there's a lot of opportunity, I guess, outside the fire service. And if you can uh, make that work, I mean, why wouldn't you, you know, especially in, in places where departments are offering uh, an educational incentive, um, some, you know, or offering uh, um, tuition reimbursement or stuff like that, you know, it, yeah. it can yeah, go I mean, a long, long way. Right. And ultimately, um, a lot of folks have uh, walked away with a, 
a degree fully endorsed and, and paid for out of those incentives and reimbursements that come from either state programs, local or, or departmental uh, educational incentive programs. So, it, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and that's it, you know, I mean, so it uh, it can really it can really make a big difference. I mean, if if you've got those incentives, you, you'd really be a fool not to yeah. do that. No. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, anecdotally, I think everyone understands the, the theory of higher education. Um, yet uh, you and I both, I'm sure, have laid witness to many of the products that our leaders produce. Yes. Um, and clearly, our collective writing and, and speech delivery capabilities and grammatic writing or, or grammatic skills uh, need some coaching. I'll, I'll just put it that way mildly, if you will. So, you know, we talked there a second ago about uh, opportunities for external gain for, or, or external benefit, if you will, from uh, the degree program. How about internally? What are some of the concrete ways you can describe that higher education can help a fire service career, uh, let alone the outside stuff? What, what are some of those advantages? Well, one big thing is time management. And this, this comes into play really uh, when you're testing for, you know, when you're getting ready for promotional testing, um, you know, time management is huge. And if you've been working through your college degree and you're working, and let's face it, you know, a lot of firefighters have at least one other job um, and your family, you know, your family life and all that stuff, you really become um, a time management expert, I would say, working on your degree program because you've got, you know, you've got deadlines. And if you don't meet those deadlines, well, there's consequences, you know, you fail out or whatever. Um, you know, so that's time management skills is a big thing that comes out of it. Uh, another big thing really is that those writing skills. I mean, I, I can't tell you how much my writing has had improved um, throughout my <laughs> throughout my university work. Uh, and that's helped in a ways I didn't know they would, like uh, uh, making presentations for council, say, um, you know, for the city council or sure. uh, writing articles. Um, other things that came into play was just, you know, as a firefighter, report writing. You know, I mean, that's something that, that every firefighter has to do whether it's the infers report or uh, the EMS run sheet, um, anything like that, not to mention evaluations and things like that as an officer and, uh, and then writing like grant funding, you know, but grant, uh, grant reports, you, ha you have to get that stuff correct. You know, you want to, you want to sound good. And, and I've, uh, I've been lucky enough to be um, able to uh, be a grant reviewer before and, Good gosh, you know, there, oh. there were some there were some that you were like, whoa. And then there was others who were like, whoa, all right. You know, yeah. um, and, and you don't want to be the you don't want to be the department that's submitting the whoa report. Right. Right. Now, I've been on that same seat uh, <laughs> lo looking at some of those reviewing some of those uh, grants and, and wondering who wrote that. Exactly. So, yeah, absolutely. So I hope everyone takes some positive things away from that conversation uh, there. But let's take a minute now to hear a word from our sponsor. Homeland 6 tactical radio straps are heavy duty, yet lightweight and 100% made in USA. These are the world's first custom radio straps made from military grade nylon that's used in ballistic vests. Unlike traditional leather, 
They're also extractor washable for pathogens like COVID-19 and carcinogen decon. These are making leather radio straps a thing of the past. Homeland 6 tactical radio straps are available in multiple colors with adjustable, regular, and extra large sizes, even with reflective or glow-in-the-dark patterns and custom text. New customers can receive a discount on their first order of tactical radio straps or accessories at homeland6.com. That's homelandsix.com. We're speaking with Chief John Dorman. We're going to shift uh, gears here to uh, talk about the bigger picture of uh, higher education. That's really the main focus of your article. So let's talk a little more about promotions. Uh, okay. We mentioned it before, but uh, you know we run the gamut in the fire service and promotional processes and opportunities. Everybody does something different, right? And it's sure. it's uh, you know you've got to know what works for your department. Some departments simply have an application uh, with minimum requirements. Some others have an in-depth in, in uh, assessment center with practical applications, interviews, medical processes, inbox, all kinds of different things. I know um, I've been one of those who took advantage of every promotional opportunity that I had the opportunity to take. And yes, every once in a while, my motivation was external. Some of the external motivations we talked about before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and specifically, I didn't want to work for this person or that person. Uh, how can higher education help us when we're at that kind of crossroads in our career? Yeah, well, and 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 truly, that you know that topic is, usually gets a lot uh, a lot more colorful verbiage, right, in the firehouse, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, if if you don't want to work for you know the person sitting next to you, you need to be prepared to score better in that promotional process. And so, you know. The education comes in in two ways. If you've been working through a degree program um, or, you know, you've you've just finished or whatever you have, you've you've done a couple of things. One, you've built up those study skills, no doubt. You've Mm -hmm. built up that reading comprehension, which we all know if, you know, if there is a testing process, testing promotional process, those are big parts of that written test at least right you know the assessment center is usually stuff that you deal with your your local sops and things like that but you know the written test getting past the written test has a lot to do with how well of it how well you take tests you know how good of a test taker are you can you um think critically in reading comprehension and that stuff so your education definitely flips into that now on the flip side there's a lot of departments that are making education requirements just a part of their promotional process. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's something that we've seen for years and years and years on the police side of public safety. Um, and now it's obviously really popular um, in the fire service. And I don't see that going away anytime soon. So, you know, even if the department doesn't require a degree, if you have one, and you get to the point of an interview process uh, for, you know, for the promotion, that might be the one thing that puts you ahead of that person next to you. Um, and, you know, it's it's a it's a good at the very least. It's going to put you on an even playing field. And most of the time it's going to put you ahead because yeah. you're probably going to score a little bit better. Because you're used, like I said, you're used to that studying, you're used to that test taking, you're used to that writing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, 
like I said uh, in in the question, and you commented in your article, truly, if if you don't want to work for that person, the uh, the alternative is in your hands. Uh, right. And, right. And, and, it's up to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, take the test, take the education, take the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we mentioned before some uh, discussion about uh, grant grant reimbursements and tuition assistance and whatnot. So everybody knows that higher education usually means higher costs. Right. So fire service personnel um, who are working those multiple jobs like you talked about, how can they take advantage of cost savings uh, that might be out there? Can you give them some specifics? So there's a, a couple of different things. Um, a lot of uh, colleges and universities have transfer programs where you can transfer in credits if you have them. Um, a lot of schools these days are also giving credit for what you, they call experiential um, or life learning. So that being the case, you know, firefighter one and two might uh, be able to transfer in or give you credit for uh, introduction to fire science or something like that. Sure. Um, so a lot of our certs that we get just throughout our career in the fire service can um, go into uh, your degree program. Right. But it depends on the college. So that's, you know, you have to do um, you have to do a fair amount of research to see what they have and what they're offering. There's um, also colleges that will work if you're a, um, a member of the IAFF. Uh, they they have a program where they give you a certain amount off um, your tuition bill and let you bring in certain amount of credits and things like that. Um, there's places that have programs with um, all sorts of different um, associations and things like that. So really, you know, cost savings is what you make of it. Um, you have to go out and look for it. But there's also other things like grants. Uh, there's educational grants, too, that a lot of firefighters would qualify for that don't go through the fire department. They're just, you know, out there available to any college student. Right. Right. And, and like you said, they just got to get out there and look for it. Sometimes yeah. it's not uh, going to be that silver platter yeah. that's handed to you. Exactly. But, you know, um, if if you're a member of the union, the, the union um, has good resources for it. Um, and a lot of departments also have good resources and are encouraging. And the other thing is, is, you know, Ask around. I'm sure if you know if you're considering earning your degree, I'm sure you're probably not the only one. And I'm sure that other people in the department probably have or have thought about it. And you know, you can compare notes. You know, there's no need to to reinvent the wheel. Sure. Yep, absolutely. And and you know that um, uh, tuition assistance is going to be critical for some folks, and for others, it's not so much. But um, we all want to uh, be able to take advantage of what's out there and um, don't want people to feel like they've got to shoulder that entire burden. So right. certainly getting out and, and looking for um, that assistance and, and looking for the help. It's it's not only a, a physically a financial help, but it's, a, um, you know, a motivator to, to be able to go out and look for a, a little bit of assistance. So, yeah. And, you know, the um, the key, too, is that you don't have to do it all at once either. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, most most colleges will let you take one class a semester, you know, and so if that's all you can do, both time wise and cost wise, then you do it. It might take you a little longer, but you do it. Um, so <clears throat> that can help also by, yep. by stretching, by, you know, by stretching it out some. Yep, absolutely. A few minutes ago, we talked about um, you mentioned the opportunity to, to work with politicians and the opportunity to work with commissioners and different presentations you got to make and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And that made me think back to uh, an article that I wrote um, and, and I deliver. Uh, it's not just an article. I deliver a class on this topic and, and that's titled uh, the fire chief as an inspirational politician. Uh, now, I, I want to tell you that the uh, that connotation of the chief as a politician garnered a lot of conversation, well, some sure of it, it controversial when I uh, when I put that out. And I received a lot of uh, chastisement from um, I've got a, a following of Canadian political uh, folks that that follow me. And I got chastised quite a bit for um, that comment that uh Chiefs should not be politicians in their mind. And, and you know, I still challenge that uh, mindset that uh, fire service leaders do interact with um, all sorts of people. And right. uh, frankly, the fire chief to be successful in their community interactions and in those political interactions, they have to be able to navigate that. Uh, well, to navigate the proverbial and the real halls of Congress. Yes. So can yes. you expand a little bit on how higher education can aid in that process? Yeah. So, I mean, and really, the fire chief, it, it is a political job. Any way you look at it, whether that's with your local politicians, state politicians, uh, you know, national politicians, or it's with politics within the department, you know, that you're you're always playing that that politics and. Sure. Um, high, higher education falls into that because it allows you to understand what level other people are coming from. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it in in a in a bachelor's degree program or a master's degree program, it's going to introduce you to topics like that. You know, whether it's fire science, um, emergency management, and homeland security, uh, public administration. It introduces you to the what I, I call the other side of of the coin. Um, you know, in the fire service, we are concerned with the fire service, as we should be, and that should be our main concern. But once you get up to upper levels of the department, you absolutely have to understand what the other side is too. Um, you know, especially when you're talking budgets. And things like that, you know, I mean, yes, we we would like a new ladder. You know, we we need a we need a new aerial. Ours is 20 years old. OK, but here's, you know, the, and then you hear from the city manager. Well, here's the choice. We also need two new snowplows. Because the two we have aren't going to be able to be serviceable this winter. Sure. So. You know, that ladder truck is still serviceable, right? Yeah. Uh, is it falling apart? No. <laughs> you know, and, and you, you know, it, I guess it helps you kind of understand both sides of the argument and understand that there are other parts out there that isn't just related to the fire department. 
And on the same token, it also helps you formulate those arguments better too. Because, you know, like we talked about with the, the writing, it's, you know, the, the writing is part of it. But if you can write it, well, you can read what you wrote and, and make a good sure. argument also. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Foreman, that's a great way to say it, that uh, <laughs> helps chief uh, helps chiefs form better arguments. I mean, that uh, that's something you're going to hear in a couple of minutes because uh, <laughs> Lord knows I, I found myself uh, in a position to have to uh, challenge that perspective and to challenge other people's perspectives, as well as challenge myself to understand their perspective. But uh, helping chiefs form that better um, um, argument is, is frankly important. Yeah, so. and, and I guess with the, at the risk of sounding callous too, uh, Mark, is that if you're going and you know, you're having that, that uh, conversation, let's say, with your mayor or your city council or your city manager, them knowing that you've got that educational background behind you usually garners a little bit more sure. than if you didn't. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I've talked with a lot of, um, I'll say kids, but a lot of young folks over the years uh, talked to about the importance of lifelong learning and, and you know whether that's higher education or otherwise mm-hmm. um, you know I, I tell them lifelong learning should should be their mantra for success that uh, basically it, when they stop learning they stop growing mm-hmm. and um, while some folks live breathe eat sleep and die as a firefighter um, there's so many different opportunities out there uh, we've talked a little bit about this before but can you take it a step further and, and talk about how our higher education can help people prepare, not just for a third job or, or for another job, but prepare them for the next level? Yeah. So, you know, that next level is it. And it, really, that can be that can be almost anything to anybody. Right. You sure. know, the, the next level, maybe uh, maybe you, you want to promote in the department, um, maybe. Maybe you want to get involved in the union. Maybe you want to get involved in politics. You know, we have uh, sometimes it works out great where we have, uh, you know, fire service personnel that turn to politics. And wow, you know, other times it's not so great. But um, yeah. you know, other times. Insert you, name here. I got yeah, it. Right. Yep. You, you sit there wondering, wait a minute. What? <laughs> but yeah. let's let's go on the good side of things, you know, sure. Um, sure. and and higher education, really, it. It just it opens up a lot, you know. Um, maybe you want to teach when you get when you get done working, or maybe you want to teach while you are working. You know, um, I can tell you that most most colleges these days want you to have at least a bachelor's degree, and most of them want you to have a master's if you wanted, you know, if you wanted to teach at the college level, which is where most of our fire science stuff is anyway. Um, and you know, and, and I guess when you look at it big picture wise, you're also helping to improve the overall fire service as youngsters, as you said, would see people going and getting their degrees, um, and, or people that are working that have their degrees and talk about it, you know, maybe they get interested and now, 
they go. And, you know, it's, it's exponential, um, you know, that, that trickle down effect, it just keeps rolling and rolling and making things bigger. And I think that that is going to make the fire service. Um, I mean, we're well-respected as it is, but respected more along the lines of a, uh, a profession versus, um, you know, I mean, everybody loves firefighters, right? That's why we took the test, but, but yeah. yeah, So so looking at you more as a profession than that knuckle dragger uh, connotation that so many people have. Yeah. 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 So can you, can you help those members who are ready to step to the, to um, step into higher education? Uh, what should they look for in a program? Uh, you know, what are some of the factors they need to be thinking about as they as they consider getting into the higher education arena? Um, well, one big thing is going to be cost. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you have to be able to afford it. And there's all sorts of different ways to do that. Um, you know, you can you can figure out what your um, if you're if you're looking at getting a bachelor's degree, let's say. You can look at earning an associate and associates of science from your local community college might be cheaper to do it that way. Um, You know, you might be able to get in-state rates and stuff like that. Um, Like we said before, see if any of, um, you know, any of your associations or your department has any type of of a cost savings program. Um, One big thing to me is accreditation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got a couple of questions after I wrote the article on, on accreditation. And there's schools that are um, regionally accredited, which would be the same as like uh, whatever the uni- – you're in Florida, Mark. So the University of Florida is accredited through probably the Southeast Association of College and Schools. So if, a, if you're looking at um, going to school – you and you want to have an, a degree that's regionally accredited, you just look at where the uh, college is headquartered and see what their accreditation is. Um, and you wanna match this, the state's accreditation. So what, what regional accreditation does for you is that allows you to essentially take those credits and that degree just about anywhere. Sure. Um, you know, so it gives you, to me, to me, regional accreditation is a lot like the National Registry or Pro Border IFSAC. You know, yep. once you have those, you can you can pretty much decide what you want to do. Um, there's also accredited schools that aren't regionally accredited, but they're still accredited by um, the U.S. Department of Education. Mm-hmm. Um, those schools, your credit probably isn't going to transfer out of those schools. Um to like, you know, say you wanted to go to the state university or something like that. But sometimes you can also get finished quicker with your degree program. So when I when I think of accreditation, I think of why are you um, why are you going back to school? Why are you why are you in the degree program? Do you need to get a degree to qualify for promotion? And the promotional exam is 15 months from now and you need to figure something out quick. Okay, Um, that's going to put you in a different spot than, you know what, now I decided I want to go back to school. I want to be, you know, ready for promotion, but that's probably four or five years down the road. That may change the 
this, the accreditation of the school that you're looking for. Um, and really, if, especially if uh, you want to go to any of the uh, National Fire Academy programs like the EFO, you want to make sure that that college is at the very least accredited by the um, Department of Education. Sure. Because they, they require that. So, I mean, you know, if it's not, you're just you're you're just wasting your money on a piece of paper. You know, sure. so you want to you want to see what the accreditation is is through and you want to see um, you want to decide what are you looking at? You know, what's what's your goal? Uh, if, if you're never planning on leaving the department that you're in, you know, then and the department doesn't care if it's a regionally accredited degree, then you know what? You, you need to go with whatever works best for you. So that's accreditation and cost. Transfer credits is another big thing. I said before, um, you know, talking about cost savings is that a lot of programs um, that, you know, are fire science programs or emergency management or just anywhere related to public service, they understand that we have a lot of folks that may have started a program. Um, You know, maybe they went to college right out of high school, uh, didn't like it went into the military instead, or, you know, life got in the way of of school, right? And those credits are just sitting there. So you want to make sure if you have any credit sitting there, that that the university or the college will take them. Mm -hmm. And there, to me, it doesn't seem to be a whole lot of rhyme or reason to which they take and which they don't, you know, so it's, it's always worth a a, a check of it. Um, and then, yeah, and, you if know, you, and if you don't check, if you don't try, you'll never know. Right. Right. Yeah. And and then there's colleges that have um, they call it like a portfolio program um, where. You submit for credit for classes, actual classes in the in the university. But you submit it based on your previous learning. And I mean, you know that can make a huge difference in how many credits come in, you know, and, and what you're, um, what you're actually starting out with. You know, you could be starting out with only needing to take two or three classes to earn your associate's degree. And, you know, if you can do that, wow, you know, why wouldn't you? Um, sure. Another thing to look at is that a lot of, a lot of colleges have got accelerated bachelor's programs or accelerated master's programs, where if you, um, take certain classes in the associates program, it counts for both the associates and the bachelors and same thing in the bachelors and the masters. And so, you know, if you're looking at being there for a while, that's a great, you know, that's a great way to look at it too. And, uh, I guess the, the last thing that I would recommend is looking at the style of, of the college. Um, you know, online learning is obviously in the last year has been, you know, really huge, but, uh, online fire science programs have popped up all over the place. There's also brick and mortar, you know, traditional um, programs too. And, you know, the, the style really comes down to what works best for you as a student. If, uh, if you like a lot of interaction, traditional may be the way to go. But there's also a lot of online programs where you have uh, – lectures where you see and hear your uh, professor talk, you know, you have constant back and forth and things like that. 
So really, you have to decide what you think is going to work best for you and your schedule. You know, I mean, firefighters on a on a shift schedule, you want to make sure that the college understands the shift schedule mm-hmm. and that uh, that they're willing to you know work with that. If you have you know, if you have uh, mandatory lectures once or twice a week, well, you know, at least a third of the time you're going to be on duty for most of us. Um, mm-hmm you know, that night. So what, is there another option and things like that? Yeah. And it go, it all goes down to, you got to be able to afford this, whether that is a cost of the education or a cost of the leave you might have to take or, exactly. uh, you know, yeah, you got to be able to afford it. So, and you mentioned uh, online learning and, and distance learning and obviously in COVID it's taken on a life of its own. Yeah. Uh, some would say for the better and some certainly for the worse. Sure. So um, as as our folks look for uh, distance learning opportunities, what should they be looking at and, or looking for? And can you talk about some other pros and cons of uh, the traditional in-person versus distance learning opportunities? Sure. So one of the big things that I would recommend um, for a, pers- a prospective student is look at how long the college has been doing online, um, online learning. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's a lot of colleges that got thrown into online learning this year, you know, yeah. Yeah. and if, you know, so if you're, if you're going to do online learning, you want to do it with, you know, somebody that's experienced doing it where they've worked out all their bugs, um, you know, where, where their uh, professors are used to interacting in that environment. Because it is a big difference for an instructor to teach, you know, a class of 30 people and you're, you know, you're there in a lecture in front of them versus you're on a computer talking, you know, um, it, it wouldn't seem like it's a big deal, but it is. There's a there's a fair amount of difference there. Um, so that's one thing that I would I would highly recommend is looking to see how long have they been uh, offering online programs and. Uh, and what's their track record too? You know, that's a that's another thing that you want to look at. Uh, all of uh, all the colleges these days have got uh, employment data and things like that. So you want to know, well, you know, of uh, of the graduates of this program, how many are employed in the fire service now? You know, and 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 see that type of stuff too. So the the biggest cons that I would say to uh, you know, your traditional brick and mortar school is that most of them aren't, um, don't have like a rolling admission Mm -hmm. where a lot of the, um, distance programs, they do admissions every, every term, right. Or every semester. So if you're thinking, well, you know what I want to, yeah, I want to go back to school. Well, right now, at a traditional college, you're probably looking at being able to start in August. At a, at an online school, you're probably looking to be able to start in the next, you know, however their their uh, semester or term works, but in the next six to ten weeks, which which is a big difference, you know. Um, it kind of keeps you from losing your oomph <laughs> to, to go back sure. to school. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, and scheduling is another thing. A lot of uh, a lot of your online programs are going to have what they call asynchronous um, work, which is like discussion boards and things like that, where 
any time during the unit, which is probably going to be a week long, you can post your, um, you know, you can post your, your uh, discussion board talking points and things like that and chat back and forth with your classmates and your professor. Whereas in the traditional setting, you know, you're coming into class either Monday and Wednesday nights or Tuesday and Thursday nights. Um, and, uh, you know, that's your only chance to interact with those folks. And in fact, a lot of, you know, online learning has gotten a bad rap for interaction um, over the years. And I think you actually have better chance to interact with people in the online environment than in the, in the traditional environment. I mean, I, I think about when uh, when I was going to um, my undergrad degree and I didn't really interact with people in my classes. You know, I went to class and listened to the lecture, whatever, did the homework, turned in the assignments and we were done. Um, but in the online format, most of them at least, there's a fair amount of interaction because that it takes the place of being in a class. So I, sure. if you like that, if you like that, I think it helps keep you, you know, keep you motivated and keep you on track. Now, the other flip side of the online environment is that you don't have that person in front of you. And for people that need to have that set schedule and have that instructor looking at them in the face uh, and knowing that they have to do this, that and the other thing, and then that's probably a better setting for you than the online environment. Yeah. Yeah, and you got to know what works for you. Some you have to. Some yeah, some folks can operate well in that uh, decentralized environment, and others need that structure. So it it really does depend on what works what works best for you. Right, um, and and you know it it all folds back into that time management that we talked about earlier, because yep. you're gonna you know you're gonna become you're gonna become a time management star, um, or or you're not gonna be successful really. I mean mm -hmm. that's it's about what it comes down to. Yeah. So as we as we close out here, you know, at, at the end of the day, we, we we talked about higher education. We've talked about real world experience in the beginning. And I'd like for our folks to understand from your perspective okay. how education complements that real world experience. Why is it important if you okay. were going to if you were going to make that elevator pitch to them right now? Why is it important? <laughs> it's. It's important. Well, one for everything we've talked about today, but uh, it, it's important because it it moves you in a different level. Um, it it gives you confidence. It uh, it puts it kind of I'm trying to think of a good way to say it, but uh, it kind of puts your money where your mouth is. Mm -hmm. um, it allows you to back up all of that real world experience that you have. And if you've, you know, when you have somebody with a lot of real world experience and they can also uh, write, uh, write grant requests like a champ and can get up there and um, talk to the city attorney on the same playing field yep. and can get up there and go to places like, uh, your chamber of commerce or your rotary meetings and things like that, where you're talking to civic leaders and you're all on the same playing field, boy, it, it just makes a huge difference. And it makes the fire service and your department that much better. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It, it, higher education does not replace 
real world experience, but it it certainly it certainly complements it. Yeah, Chief, absolutely. Uh, yep, I, I appreciate you spending a little time with us on Side Alpha Podcast today. Is there anything else you'd like to add to the discussion? You know, there is one other thing that I forgot about when we talked about costs that I just remembered. Okay. Is that especially with online programs, um, and I can tell you the one the uh, the university I work for has this. Um, their bachelor's programs, a lot of online programs will either have textbooks that you have to buy mm-hmm. or they'll have them electronic. So especially if cost is a factor, you want to add everything up and make sure you're, you're, you're um, comparing apples to apples. So like um, I could tell you the program I'm familiar with, the uh, electronic textbooks are included throughout your bachelor's program mm-hmm. so and your associates. So, you know, in a four-year, essentially a four-year period of time, you could be buying a lot of books and you don't have to if you if you choose that route, right, at, at the school, um, if you check that out with the school and see, are, you know, do we have to buy books? Are books included? Um, what are the other fees and things like that? Because that's a, that's a big part of it, too. Yeah, and that's got to all be part of your due diligence as you're as you're planning that process. Absolutely. Yep. yep, get in there and figure out what's, uh, you know, it used to be, is it live or is it Memorex? Get in there and figure out whether it's going to uh, be um, uh, that live book you got to have in front of you or the, the uh, Memorex recording. And exactly. for those younger ones of you that don't understand that, <laughs> look it up. You'll figure it out. Yeah, well, do Chief, a little research. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I appreciate you being with us. I want to capture some of the takeaways from what we talked about today. Uh, Specifically, we talked about higher education and real world experience being a true balancing act. And as you just closed out there with that higher education builds confidence and complements real world experience does not replace it, but it is a balancing act. We talked about internal and external benefits from higher education, uh, how both uh, those benefits benefit the organization and the individual. Uh, that it's not a single dimensional thing. Uh, You talked about time management and the important skills that are developed through higher education process, whether that's report writing or uh, speech delivery, uh, or just the ability to talk and interact with politicians, lawyers, and other high level officials that you're gonna have to to interact with. And then we talked uh, more about how uh, higher education um, helps with that skills development for all of those reading comprehension, the critical thinking skills, and frankly, the study skills that uh, you'll need as you go through promotional processes in departments. Switching into talking about um, affording the higher education, you talked about tuition and credit assistance that might be out there, whether it's transfer credits, experiential learning, uh, discount programs available through various associations or unions or or different uh, uh, organizations. Talked about internal organization reimbursements, whether that's a department or a county or a state process. Uh, I've been in several, uh, worked in several states where they had uh, vastly different reimbursement or uh, or or payment programs, and you just have to understand what's available in your state and and like we just said, do that research. Uh, you've got to figure that out. And then, of course, there are educational grants out there for all kinds of opportunities. Talking a little more about politics and budget and other administrative details, talked about how uh, higher education helps the chief understands other people's perspectives. 
you know, we said that the fire chief's jobs are political, whether they like it or not. Uh, and this uh, higher education and um, uh, just that life learning, lifelong learning concept helps chiefs uh, form better arguments and uh, form more cohesive, um, well, really form more cohesive arguments and uh, respect through the process with those politicians and those that they have to make those arguments with. Uh, clearly, uh, higher education opened some doors for you, and that's one of the takeaways, too, is that uh, the doors that uh, open are doors that aren't closed. Uh, then we talked about the um, um, factors and benefits or factors that people should look for in a higher education program as they uh, debate the process and they debate moving forward and, and really start entering into higher education. And you talked about make sure that the programs are accredited. Um, actually, first you said they need to be able to afford uh, the program. And we talked right. about that's not just about affordability from a cost of the program perspective, but are you going to have to take leave? Do you have leave to cover those things? Um, are there other factors you're going to have to consider as you enter into one of those programs? Make sure it's an accredited program. Make sure that uh, if there's opportunity to transfer credits, whether it's transferring from other schools or experiential learning, that you look into what those requirements and opportunities are. And then decide on the style. Is it brick and mortar or is it going to be distance learning? All things that we talked about here. Um, certainly, we, we talked about uh, the online opportunities that uh, do offer alternative scheduling opportunities for both when classes start and, and just expanded really uh, starting opportunities instead of once or twice a year, you might be able to start once a month in online programs. You just have to, again, search those opportunities. Uh, and certainly the, uh, I'll call it expanded uh, alternative interactions in online learning programs that you really don't have face-to-face. Face-to-face, you have it once a week or once a month or what, you know, whenever it is that you're going to be in that brick and mortar building where online you might have it 24 hours a day, depending on the availability of an instructor um, or those other students. And then as we said, um, and as we closed out, higher education indeed builds confidence and complements real world experience. Chief, I want to thank you again for joining us. Uh, we've been talking with Chief John Dorman about higher education and the fire service. Thanks to our listeners for staying with us. I'm Mark Bashore, Executive Editor for FireRescue1.com and FireChief.com. Follow us on FireRescue1.com for the latest news and information affecting the fire service worldwide. Have a great day. Keep safe, stay smart, and take care. <laughs>